Welcome back to the It's Just Bore podcast. We have an incredible uh, bonus episode uh, for you today where myself and Niamh will take you through the various news that's going on in sport at the moment when it comes to transgender athletes. We've had some um, incredible feedback from our last podcast that we did where we focused on transgender athletes and I think myself and Niamh wanted to give you a bit of an update in what's going on in the world with two substantial stories I suppose from Orange, well three substantial stories I should say, um, but the first one being Laurel Hubbard um, who is likely to compete at the Tokyo Olympics in weightlifting. Niamh, you have all the moves on everything to do with Laurel Hubbard. Uh, fill us in on what you got. Yeah, so basically in the about two weeks ago, it came out that Laurel Hubbard is, is likely to qualify for the Tokyo Olympic Games. So Laurel is a is an athlete from New Zealand and has been uh, competing in weightlifting for the last couple of years. Um, the rule that actually allows her to compete has been around since 2003, which I think has kind of begged a few questions. But I think in relation to why is the conversation happening now is because she's actually the first athlete that's looking likely that she might actually go through and, uh, you know, make this qualification. So Hubbard is due to become the first transgender Olympic competitor and will contest at the 87 kilo plus super heavyweight division. Um, before trans- transitioning in 2013, Hubbard had challenged in domestic men's weightlifting competitions, but never at international level. Since then, she has won a silver medal in the 2017 World Championships and appeared at multiple Commonwealth and Pacific Games. She has also obviously spoken on the, on the topic, you know, it's, it's not something that you can avoid. And she is competing, doing what you know, she loves, but she's aware that there, there is conversation and controversy around being a transgender female uh, competing against biological women. And um, she said, I think even 10 years ago, the world perhaps wasn't ready for an athlete, athlete like myself, and perhaps it is not ready for it now. But I got the sense at least that people are willing to consider me for these competitions and it seemed like the right time to put the boots on and hit the platform. So, you know, it's it's a complicated topic. Um, but it's happening more and more. There's more conversation around it, um, you know, because we've we've seen other sports uh, discuss what the, um, the you know possibilities might be for transgender female athletes and for biological female athletes. Um, I guess just some points are um, she's she's going to be 43 years old. Um, she lived as a man until 2013, which would have made her 35 uh, when she transitioned. Um, she is competing in the 87 kilo plus super heavyweight division, which is actually a plus category. Um, she's actually 130 kilos. Um, I'm just giving the information, take it as you will. And uh, she's six foot tall. So some of the, the conversation is around kind of, is there a an advantage having, you know, grown up as a, as a man and lived as a man until she was 35 years old and, and then transitioned? Um, and, and what is the impact on her competitors? We actually ran a poll on the Hairsport Instagram and Hairsport Twitter accounts. Uh, this got over a thousand votes and it was just really interesting to see what the feedback of the audience was. So 67% believes that she should not be allowed to compete at the Olympic Games and 33% believe that she should. Um, it's, it's interesting that a third of people do believe that she should be allowed to compete at the Games. Interestingly, though, many of the of elite athletes didn't believe that it was fair. And, you know, some people actually commented on the news story that we had um, who, who are 
athletes and I guess can understand like what it might like what it might be like to come up against uh you know Laurel Hubbard or um you know a transgender female in some other sports um it's definitely a difficult topic um and, and I guess we can dive a little bit into the IOC guide yeah so I suppose in the IOC guidelines um they have stated that trans women can compete against biological women if testosterone remains below 10 nanomoles per liter for 12 months before and during competition um, I suppose to put that into context, for the nanomoles per liter, women can have up to 1.79, but for men, you can have between point or 7.7 to about 29. Um. Yeah, I think I think what's interesting for this is under the IOC guidelines, it's um, under 10 nanomoles to compete. Um, and with World Athletics, it is under five. So they have kind of been a bit more stringent on this. Um, the rules changed in 2015, which I think may impact things and um, previously you have to be legally registered as your new gender you have to have reassignment surgery and you have to have hormone therapy so with the new guidelines since 2015 you now only have to have hormone therapy and um, which you know it, it, it does it, people are, are asking the questions like is is that enough and um, you know to make sure that um you know people are, are transitioning for the right reasons and you know what we're saying is is, is simply what we're we're giving you the information we're sharing like what the the conversation has been and what people are really trying to just do is talk out the conversation and find out what is fair for everybody involved and um, we certainly believe that there is a place in sport for everyone it's just about figuring out like what are the what's the fairest way for everybody to compete and um, what kind of sports might have uh, room for um you know transgender athletes um to compete at elite level because I think that's really that's the biggest thing is the is the elite level piece um I guess let's go back to the rugby story and, and give that that's a bit of information and then we can kind of talk out the other the other sides of it um do you want to t- tell everybody about what happened in France this week in relation to rugby yeah so um I suppose for anyone who isn't uh familiar with the story the France's Federation of Rugby um, is starting to allow transgender people to play in domestic competitions, which goes against um, world rugby recommendations. Um, so I suppose for context, trans, uh, in rugby um, in over in France, trans, transgenders who are transitioning from male to female must be on hormonal therapy for at least 12 months and have testosterone less than five nanomoles um, per liter. In October 2020, World Rugby became the first international sports federation to actually rule out transgender women playing in the elite level of um, women's rugby. So according to their research, it showed that there was 20 to 30 percent increase in risk of injury when a female player is tackled by someone who has gone through obviously male puberty. Um, There are significant physical advantages by trans women over biological women, even after taking testosterone um, suppressants. Um, I wonder, do we know what those like significant? I mean, obviously, we can Mm -hmm. see them uh, some of the times, but I wonder, do we know? what those significant physical advantages are you know because it's very like it's quite vague in like the way it says it obviously we know they're bigger they're strongly potentially stronger um you know we see that with laurel you know obviously being six feet and 130 kilos um not to go back to her too much um but i wonder like significant is just obviously a bit vague like in my opinion i I think if you look if you look at the at the report there is more detail on it so it does actually go into the advantages and strength and we actually have some more from the um british journal of sports medicine, which we can discuss a little bit as well. I think in relation to um, what France Rugby have actually done, um, they have actually followed the, like, 
their players won't be allowed to play at elite level and it was left at the discretion of each country as to what the rulings would be for transgender women to participate in sport uh, within their country. So I actually think that France was kind of within their right to, to make that decision. Yeah. Apparently it was a unanimous vote um, that, you know, that transgender women would be allowed to participate in it. And, you know, they still will not be allowed to play at elite sport. Um, I mean, the 20 to 30% increase in risk of injury, yes, um, you know, it is concerning and it's going to have to be something that's monitored. And while they went, you know, against it, you know, they, they it was a recommendation. So that is down to the country to then decide. Um, I imagine over, you know, the first few years this is run, that there'll be, um, you know, kind of heavy analysis done and, uh, you know, tracking of, of what the experiences are of everybody that's involved to make sure that it, it continues to be a safe environment. And um, because every, everybody obviously wants to ensure um, that, it, that it is safe, um, you know, for um, athletes participating in sport. In relation to the comment around Laurel being um, 130 kilos and six foot, um, as, as we've discussed several times before, you know, it's not that, that women can't be six foot. It's just that the, yeah. you know, the average height of men and women is different. Um, and, and then the kilos, like if somebody is, you know, 130 kilos competing, um, is is the makeup like it's not as if one of the women can't be 130 kilos they can it's just is that their their optimum performance weight so um that's just kind of an example and I think the real point there is actually in relation to the the differences um I guess on averages in relation to you know your average height of a woman uh, versus a man what advantages um you may have in particular sports for something like that because um you know again look at the Irish um the Irish rowing team at the moment you some of the girls in that women's four they're in and around that six foot mark so it's not completely unusual for be for a woman to be six foot but it is uh, more unusual um than it would be for, obviously uh, for a man uh, something that's quite I, I guess let's go on to the the British Journal of Sports Medicine to give people a bit of context in relation to um, the, the the potential advantages. So trans women retain a muscular advantage a year after testosterone is suppressed. Uh, males typically have 2200% advantage in mass and strength over females. And after taking testosterone suppressants, the advantage is only reduced by 5% after a year. So with France um, and that 12 month uh, restriction uh, or monitoring period, um, you know, 5% after a year, it's not really a massive drop. Um, and then in there was running tests that were done and they retained 12% advantage in running tests, uh, even after two years of suppressants. So I think in relation to the research that's being done, like while some of the rulings have been around, say with the IOC since 2003, um, science has advanced massively in the last 18 years. And it's something that just needs more exploration done, more research um, to establish like whether it is fair. Um, you know, we're talking about the nanomoles of, of testosterone and, you know, while it, it's 10 for the IOC and we're saying that, that for women, it's, you know, the higher end of it is 1.79. Like that's over five times the amount of testosterone that women have. And then even if you look at the 1.79 versus the five that uh, France Rugby and World Athletics are doing, it's still more than twice um, the levels of testosterone. Um so yeah, look, it's there's there's a lot of research needs to be done. Um in relation to performance and the reduction of testosterone, 
um, performance does decline as the testosterone declines. Uh, while, while there is a decline, it's just about establishing whether the reduction is fair and if it's proportional to biological women and, and if, if it's something that is fair for everybody to compete. And then there always seems to be like a bit of concern around specific sports, like the contact sports like rugby, MMA, boxing, mm-hmm. um, you know, American football. It is important to, you know, make sure that the, the safety of players is... Um, is monitored you know that that's that's obviously a very important point um you know there is another kind of side to it in relation to um transgender men it doesn't get discussed often no it doesn't because people you know people are talking about the threats and i think people don't see transgender men as a threat to elite sport um and i think they're happy enough for transgender men to participate in uh, domestic or local uh, sports because they don't really feel that they will have an advantage or that there's a safety threat. Um, you know, obviously the the conversation around elite sport, like people are there to, uh, you know, there's a lot there's a lot at stake, and obviously that's why there's more conversation and restriction and um, it's more critically analysed. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what your kind of thoughts there are on that. Yeah, look, it is it is something that is incredibly interesting that you bring up. Um, I wonder, you know, obviously sports like male sports is a very hyper masculine um, environment kind of going into. Like, I wonder, are the barriers to uh, trans men going into male sports? I wonder, is it more social barriers that you would expect rather than actual physical and performance barriers mm-hmm. that you would see in the women's game? You know, I suppose we need to ask ourselves, and this is just me talking as someone who studied sociology, I suppose, in college, like and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think you'd have to ask yourself, like, would it be uh, welcome, you know, in terms of like socially? You know, I think performance wise, I think obviously you're transitioning. So you're going reverse. So you don't have to suppress yourself as much. If anything, you might have to add in some testosterone. You're taking so, testosterone. Yeah. So it mightn't be as much of an issue, you know, obviously, unless you hit that fine line where you are entering like, what you know, what a ter- territory. Yeah, the doping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, which is might be the only thing. But I think in in terms of that I think we might have to look at what are the barriers that exist for trans men that are currently going into sports mm-hmm. and I think a massive one at the moment is and if, and if you watch women's sports in general it, it seems to be more welcoming to communities from LGBT um, backgrounds you know I think we see that with women's sports I think we see it to be um, a safer place you know for women to come mm-hmm. out you know to be in relationships you know even if you look at the Irish women's national team you know Katie McCabe and um, Ruesha Littlejohn you know they're obviously together if you look at even you know the Barcelona women's team you know that won the Champions League a couple of them are together you know so on and so forth so I suppose women's sports would be more open for LGBT obviously the T now is kind of question marked given everything that is you know going on and you know being discussed you know and all that kind of stuff but um i suppose really and again this is just more my background as a sociologist again coming out um you know you'd want to be looking we're obviously talking about performance and you know that's incredibly important in sport but we obviously have to look at kind of ethics as well and stuff in, mm-hmm. in in sport you know are we willing to say to someone you can participate in sport if you know and i get that there's a performance issue behind it i'm not discrediting that entirely but we do have to look at it from an ethical point of view are we willing to put people through incredibly costly surgeries incredibly uh true incredibly costly treatments you know because all that stuff doesn't come cheap like i know in ireland alone that if you want to go through a, a transition you know and go from uh, either or woman to 
man or man to woman, um, you actually have to go abroad because it's a lot cheaper. You know, I've seen um, people that I would know who are transitioning and they had to go to Poland during COVID times. Um, and obviously they picked up COVID and obviously they were at risks, you know, higher risk because their immune system would have been suppressed mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So it really does raise, from my perspective anyways, interesting questions about like athlete welfare. And even on the flip side, if you want to do flip that, it even raises questions about women in sport um, welfare in general. Like what, what are women going to do in order to win that gold medal if there is someone in the race or in whatever uh, event it may be that is trans are they going to push Mm -hmm. themselves to a ridiculous level that the female body just can't handle anymore you know i think we've seen so many documentaries and so many um stories come out about um athletes uh bodies breaking down you know because of certain Mm -hmm. things that they've been asked to do so it is like obviously you know you're more up to the performance because you are someone who has competed at levels you are you know someone who will be more into that whereas you know i'd be kind of raising ethical questions you know i'd be like is yeah, is, yeah. is is this what we um are obviously all striving for as a society but i think it would go back to the question of what is safe and what isn't safe but yeah. i think it is very important to note that there is more research needed and i think at yeah. the moment there is very um fine lines you know between you're either on this side or you're not on the side and i think what we're trying to highlight is you can actually be in the middle because I think yeah. at the end of the day, what you need is you need to have the research behind you. You need to have the research done by people who are professional. You know, I know a couple of, I don't think it was in the British Journal of Sports Medicine, but I think it was in a couple of other um, well-established uh, papers of um, people who are incredibly like, you know, transphobic actually put, submitting research and it being accepted yeah. and it yeah. writing, you know, uh, horrific stuff, you know, about what, you know, you yeah, that's should not on either. Do. do you know what I mean? No. You have to, you have to do the right science. And I think what you're saying in relation to ethics, like I, I completely agree. Like we have to, that's, that's what I'm saying. We have to find something that suits everybody. And mm-hmm. in relation to the sports that I was talking about earlier, like we know that there are some sports that people can compete at and, um, you know at elite level and it doesn't matter what gender they are and I know they I know they're limited and I would love somebody to tell me some of the some additional sports equestrian is not limited so if you want to participate in equestrian at the elite level go for it there is space for you there um if you want to look at something like uh archery there's mixed competition there uh if you want to look at something like darts there's mixed competition there so there are a few sports that you actually could participate to a high level at um and you'd be welcomed because the gender doesn't come into it. Um, I think in relation to the ethics and what you're, you, you know, you're talking about, like it's this, I think elite level is one thing and and that's going to be the, you know, the, the difficult one to kind of navigate. And, and I, I, we can talk about some of the kind of suggestions that we have batted around before, but in relation to like what's going on uh, domestically, like I think there's loads of room in terms of, you know, something like mixed tag rugby you have mixed soccer leagues you, ha- you can have lots of different things where there is room and it's just about making like adaptations and uh, for whatever the competitions might be in some of your local sports to make sure that like everybody is given the opportunity to uh, participate to compete and um you know to I- enjoy themselves and and i think what you're saying actually in terms of the uh, open-mindedness from women um, is really reflected by the by the poll that we did because to be honest I had actually expected it to be much um, I hadn't expected it to be uh, two-thirds that were against oral competing and one-third four I actually expected it to be much more against but I think another thing that in relation to a poll like that and um, we obviously just put the question out there with not loads of detail on the background and I think for people to make an informed decision they actually need to understand the science and you know the elite level and I think that's why it was interesting that a lot of elite athletes 
didn't believe that it was something that was fair because even from conversations that I've had with people around it um, people say oh yeah sure like of, of course like that um, you know it, it would be okay for her to compete because surely all the guidelines are kind of followed and you kind of that's where some of the and that the research is done and I think that's what people expect but when yeah. you actually go looking into it and um, there, there is a lack of research and people are there they're trying to do it but you know there's not as much research done as um, as people would think there is we think it's something that has been you know well documented well researched but look we even know from from things that we talk about from women in sport that there's so many things that haven't been explored with women in sport it's typically just men that, I was has, gonna say, that the science has been explored and that's very reflective of you know science in general like in the world you know it's very much done if you even think of like health sciences you know and everything that's done and even doctors would kind of tell you this there is very limited research when it comes to the mm-hmm. female like anatomy and like what women would need in comparison you know stuff with like nutrition things you it's increasing. Would really take for granted it's increasing but stuff you take for granted like we are obviously and some athletes are taking for granted here that the research is there it's really funny like because it isn't there even from a sports kind of point of view so i think that Mm -hmm. is actually just even reflective of the real life world scenario and i think if you want to delve even deeper into it i think it's incredibly reflective of society as a whole that we don't have even like trans research in general for like other stuff you know like going on in the world obviously we know stuff about mental health rate you know and all that kind of stuff but we actually don't have anything even when it comes to it's very limited on even like social, you know, barriers, you know, like barriers into employment, healthcare, you know, all that kind of stuff. So of mm-hmm. course for sport, it's going to be kind of down in the in, in the well. low because people, people, I think just people aren't, not even like not aware, but I think people are just Look, kinda, it costs money to do all yeah. these studies. Do you know what I mean? It's so expensive to do this we know in terms of like a sports science research that's been done on women it's 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 limited um so yes it's going to be limited when it comes to transgender athletes as well um you know the reality of it is that there are less transgender people in the world than there are um you know people biological men biological women so you kind of have the packing order of people are studying men then they're studying women and then they're probably studying transgender athletes so we do hope to see more studies done about this and I think because of the impact that it's going to have on sport and there will be more done in terms of um some of the research that's been done I think another thing that's important to note is this is research that's been done on people that aren't athletes yeah so something else that kind of comes up is if somebody is transitioning from being a man to a woman and they want to compete at elite sport, they're already participating in sport, they love sport, um, whether it's intentional or not, if they continue to kind of participate uh, in their weight training, in whatever sport they're participating in, like how much of a difference does that make uh, during their testosterone um suppressing essentially? Because this has probably been done on people that aren't like that aren't maybe whether they're whether they're going to the gym and participating in sport or not they're not doing it at an elite level and we know that kind of even from the conversations around doping that um sometimes there's a a retained edge so if someone kind of continues to um train through their suppressing of their testosterone what kind of uh, impact does that have do they uh, retain more muscle more speed more strength than your average transgender athlete, which then has to come into the conversation because they're actually the people that are going to be competing on the elite stage, not necessarily somebody, uh, your typical transgender female. That That's actually kind of where, where it, yeah. it really needs to go. Um, which then obviously we need to have uh, more transgender um, 
athletes competing at top yeah. level uh, to, to really evaluate what the situation is there. But when you kind of talk about it, like if you think about the levels that somebody is pushing into, you're going to have your biological women who are going to, let's say, we'll do, I'm just going to pick a number of 120 kilos, right? Let's say they can lift 120 kilos and that's the most they've ever lifted. They're going to try, like that's what their body has maxed out at, we yeah. call it. Then you have somebody that's transitioning from being a man to a woman. And let's say they, you know, they have already reached over 130 kilos or 140 kilos, whatever it might be. That's that's the lift that they were able to do. So although they might be on testosterone suppressants, so that you're expecting a drop, but their body has actually experienced that heavier, heavier weight or their body has experienced that uh, that's speed whatever it might be they've already hit a threshold that a biological woman won't mm. unless they unless they actually take performance enhancing drugs so what kind of impact does that have because part of it is like you talk about like muscle memory and and, and things like that how much of that comes into it as well and I think that goes back again to the elite athletes and uh, how much does the kind of testosterone suppressant affect the overall picture which is what is important when it comes to elite sport. Um, I think something that was really interesting was Caitlin Jenner spoke about this. Um, she doesn't believe that transgender girls should be allowed to participate in girls' sports. She said, in an issue of fairness, um, we need to protect girls' sports in our schools. So I think to give context for this, in America, um, there's been a lot going on in, in relation to transgender sport. Donald Trump's administration had views that trans women athletes wouldn't, shouldn't be allowed to compete in girls or women's sports, whereas uh, since coming into the presidency, Joe Biden's administration think that they should be allowed. Um, some states are trying to pass bills to stop them from being allowed to compete. And um, yeah, there's just a lot of conversation going on over there. At the moment in high schools, anybody that identifies as a woman can participate or a woman or a girl can participate in in female sports. So I think that's really a key to what Caitlyn Jenner is saying because somebody hasn't gone under, hasn't undergone any transitioning other than um, they are now living as a girl or a woman, but they haven't actually have a, had any kind of physical alterations at this point. Yeah. So realistically, like you, you still do have the male body competing against a female body, which is quite difficult for uh, young girls to take and, and we're already trying to keep young girls in sport and encourage them to participate so I think that's where Caitlyn Jenner is kind of weighing in on it um, and, and it's really interesting from her perspective because as we know Caitlyn Jenner uh, was previously Bruce Jenner competing um, at the Olympic Games and has a gold medal in the decathlon so I think if anybody has an understanding of the full picture it is somebody like Caitlyn Jenner who has given this um, given this feedback. Um, yeah. Joanna Harper also also had an opinion. If you want to tell us um, about Joanna Harper, yeah. So Joanna Harper is a um, medical physicist. Uh, yeah, physicist. Yeah, Joanna Harper is a medical physicist. She previously spoke about um, you know her role, you know, and everything. She's also a transgender um, runner in two thousand nineteen. She said that gender identity doesn't come into it, but the test testosterone levels actually do. Um, trans girls should have the right to compete, but also cisgender girls have the right to succeed too. So I suppose really, and what the overall theme of this podcast is, which, you know, we will probably not find an answer, not in a bad way, but we are obviously asking the question of, 
how do you balance this and I think Mm -hmm. at the end of the day what you are trying to do is you're fine you're trying to find you're trying to be inclusive you're trying to be competitive and you're also trying to be fair among everything Mm -hmm. that's going on um and I think finding that balance I think someone is going to get left or left behind someone is going to not you're not going to please everybody but I think there is a solution it's just a matter of finding the solution I think you know it is definitely a thing where yeah I think if it's a case of that you need everyone to coexist and kind of work together whereas I think at the minute it's like it's a lot of extremes you know are kind of going mm-hmm. on from from all ends um I do want to kind of go back to the Caitlyn Jenner one because I do think it is interesting because I think a lot of um trans uh women in particular feel that since obviously she has transitioned she has kind of left behind a good chunk of trans women. You know, she constantly kind of comes out with statements, you know, that she would vote Republican, which obviously isn't exactly, you know, pro-trans in a certain degree. She's obviously come out now with the statement of, you know, that she doesn't think that uh, transgender girls should be participating in sports in girls' schools. Anyways, um, and I think just she is kind of, she's a very uh, divisive figure when it comes to the trans community, you know, from everything that I have heard, kind of heard so far. Um, so I think while she obviously does have the experience and is someone, you know, that you could definitely ask questions uh to i think you need to ask kind of questions about her and of her too you know kind of Mm -hmm. which is important as well but i think this goes back to the whole you know everyone has an opinion everyone is trying to as you said trying to make it fair competitive and inclusive um and i think some as i said earlier someone isn't going to get unfortunately their way in this scenario but i think as you said there is a solution to it we're obviously not qualified in medical, you know, sociology. You know, yeah. we're just two people, two women in sports fans in particular, who are trying to make it inclusive and fair for everyone. But, you know, we don't necessarily have the answers. Um, and yeah. yeah, I think it's incredibly tricky. And I think, you know, as I said, someone is not going to be happy with the end result, I think, at some stage. But I think it's also a thing as well. Like, I think society, like, does shift. You know, like, a part of me does mm-hmm. think in, like, Obviously, we might be alive, but if someone takes over the Horace Moore podcast in 100 years' time, which I hope they do, um, I think, like, we're going to be, like, how do I, like, describe it? Like, they're going to use our interviews, and they're going to be, like, geez, I can't believe, like, they were either, like, against it, or, and we're not, yeah. but, you know, I, they're going to, like, look upon us and be, like, man, they were, like, so down the middle, but, you know, <laughs> they're going to, like, look out into a track, and there's going to be, like, a mix of girls, you know, like, participating, like, both trans and cis, and I think mm-hmm. it's going to be, like, you know, incredibly you know weird to be looking back on these conversations you know I think that is something that I think I think just society will shift as a whole that's my opinion and I think whether it either shifts with it and that we see more integration or it shifts where it kind of um divides and you know excludes uh uh, transgender girls I think that's something that will be seen I don't think I don't think it's a matter of exclusion and like as I said there's like I'm different leagues and, and, and things that can kind of go on at domestic level that can inc- include everybody and it's a matter of having mixed teams and you know making making things fair um I think something that does need to be explored is kind of like the system that is used for the Paralympics where everybody doesn't necessarily have the same disability but people yeah. are able able to be put in categories in a way that's fair for everybody competing um that everybody gets a shot and you know ha- and and like it's fair and and that's the way that's the way it's been done like you know obviously like we're huge supporters of our our Paralympians here and we've we've seen you know great success and it's brilliant that there are different categories for people like each um you know each person to get an opportunity to be competitive uh, in a fair environment and and I think that's kind of what's going to be need to be looked at so we can learn something from that so let's explore like how was that done maybe in some sports um you know 
biological women and transgender women can compete on on a level playing field and and something that i i would actually say is possible um in ultra marathons and like long distance running like really really long distance yeah, running, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> um sometimes women are actually winning outright so they're beating the men so yeah. women's bodies are a little bit more uh endurance yeah endurance based and kind of can you know structurally suited um for some of these kind of extreme distances we'll call them like the very very long yeah. distances and um, really interesting that yeah. that the lovely katrina jennings is competing in and um, but people are like like women uh biological women are winning some of these races outright so maybe that's something there where if somebody's actually competing in that that no kind of adjustments or um something like that needs to needs to happen you know um and then you need to look at some of these other sports that we've mentioned in terms of you know rugby and boxing and, and that type of thing and maybe there is kind of um you know look there's like you're talking about golf like people play off handicaps in golf so maybe there is a couple of different like ways that we can look at making things fair yeah. um in different sports that, that everybody can be accommodated um there is a concern from a lot of people in terms of what's going to happen to women's sport and is it is it going to be um destroyed essentially like people people are worried about it and i know that seems dramatic but we're talking about elite level and then you are talking about like um you know underage levels uh, domestic competition and you know really if if people are it's all it's all um kind of in context so why lots yeah. of people will look at look at the elite level and think that that's the most important thing for your 15 year old girl her football match is the most important thing for her and if yeah. she feels like she's going up and, and, and like the thing in the high schools in the US if they don't have to undergo any hormone therapy yet um it's kind of a bit disheartening for somebody to feel like they're going up against somebody that has an advantage uh, over them and there's nothing they can do about it because that that is essentially what it is and, and you know at that point in their life that's the biggest thing for them and they might be able to see the bigger picture and you know are they going to make it to elite level like loads and yeah. loads of people don't make it to elite level and, and that's the biggest thing in their world so I think when Caitlin Jenner is talking about that like you have to consider like we're trying to encourage people to participate in sport and, and, and women to stay in sport and this might be something that hampers kind of the progression um, development in 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 retaining people and, and we do want a space for everybody but I, I think the way personally to go is looking at the the mixed events and that type of thing and then looking at um different systems where kind of adaptations can be made in different sports to accommodate everybody and make it fair for everybody and um, I think as we were kind of saying earlier you know we had like transgender people in the world are a minority and then also within that society you have the people that want to participate in sports so it, it actually reduces because not everybody that's transgender wants to participate Indeed, in sport yeah. in the first place because like people have bounced around the idea of like could we have a transgender games and you know something like that should definitely be explored but like are we going to have enough athletes because like if we think about like transgender um you know athletes in ireland like have we enough transgender athletes in ireland to participate in something like a soccer league is yeah. there enough interest and then the thing about it is like we're talking about say soccer but but people have the different sports and there's so many different sports out there which obviously is brilliant but part of it then is like 
how do you kind of make some sort of games or competitions that, uh, you know, that it's not like how many different sports are there in the world like you're gonna have to start and and actually I I do think that that's there like maybe you pick 10 sports and they're the sports that you can compete at elite level in if you're a transgender athlete and it kind of gives um some scope for developing a games and I think you know obviously um you know transgender like people transition transitioning at the moment is increasing because people are more accepting of it now and there is more um kind of support there and kind of just society is changing so i think over the next 20 or 30 years we will see more people transitioning because it has become more accepted in society so maybe we start off with 10 sports and it develops and develops and develops because there becomes more interest um over the next 20 or 30 years but um look it's certainly a huge topic we're going to see lots and lots of change over the next couple of years um i think we will see change at elite level first and then we will see accommodations being made at um at domestic level um in terms of france look they they have the research from world rugby they have whatever and they made their decision and you know one has to respect that and i don't think that they're going to be irresponsible in terms of um, you know, welfare, player welfare for everybody, as what we said is, is um, you know, the most, most important thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know, have you any kind of final thoughts um, on, on the topic? No, but I think definitely, as you said, the, the French rugby situation, I think is one definitely to watch out for. Like, it's definitely a place if you wanted to do your research and see and like maybe physically see it for yourself. Um, it is definitely one to, to watch out for and to see, because I think at the moment it is the only... Um, real life situation that we can apply you know to future mm-hmm. it's the precedent i suppose is what i'm trying uh, trying to say that it's setting at the moment um, and i think that is incredibly important i think someone eventually does have to stick their nose out or raise their hand and even say look i'll do it you know like i'll i'll test it up against you know mm-hmm. six women. i'll see if it makes a difference and then you know see what happens and i think once we start seeing that and once then people you know start seeing the research we can get behind it and we can do more studies and do all that kind of stuff i think more informed opinions can be um made rather than some you know incredibly mm-hmm. radicalized you know stuff that i suppose that we're hearing yeah at the moment. but um Look. yeah i think overall it is it is something it's a it's a it's a hopefully a progressing area and hopefully it will be progressive as you said in time maybe a situation that can arise as you say going back to your trans um games let's call them um you know maybe a situation can arise where we could put the winners of whatever category maybe 100 meters in men and women's up against 100 meters trans men trans women and see you know what kind of happens you know from there mm-hmm. and then you can obviously do more research and do more studies um i think it's not a bad idea and i think as you said these ideas have happened somewhere it happened with the paralympics like you said this is even going back to even people with disabilities not all people with disabilities want to compete in sport you know i'm a sports fan i want to compete um and that's totally fine you know as you said it's the same with um you know people who are transitioning or you know people who are fully transitioned not all of them are going to want to compete we're basically going to estimate here if you're going to take the general population of the world you could probably say maybe what 10 percent are sports fans um you know well you could maybe say more let's say maybe like more you know, sports fans maybe maybe less athletes maybe yeah so like and then you're talking one percent of the global population actually turn into an elite athlete mm-hmm. so as you said this goes back to the question of if you've got maybe i don't know five trans athletes in ireland maybe they all don't want to do 100 meters maybe they all yeah. don't people want to do different sports and and like that's totally fair and look I think I think the the main thing at the moment in terms of what is trying to be solved internationally is is obviously 
it's it's the elite level like that's what they're trying to do at the olympics and and the reason that it has come out more now as conversation is because now we have the first person that's looking like they might qualify yeah um and the same in the rugby you know yeah they look like people are trying to find accommodations uh for everybody and there's been lots of conversation about it online um you know particularly as this new rugby piece has come out as well um it, it really is just about figuring out what's going to work and i think um although it might not be what um you know people in in the the transgender community are happy with it is a little bit of a sit tight for for the next couple of years like keep pushing the boundaries keep talking to people about it and see what can be done but i think you know understanding also needs to come from both sides and um, everybody kind of needs to understand the picture and and you know kind of you know like you're talking about um you know it being fair for everybody and that's what we're trying to do um we'd love to hear opinions and thoughts on this like there's so much more to explore if you've new information or science like we definitely love to hear it and, and share it with the audience and what we will do um is is try and have um transgender athletes on this to talk about what it's like what uh you know what what they think um in in terms of this conversation and then I guess we we may also try and have some of the elite athletes on if they're comfortable um athletes that are going to the olympic games or competing on international level in, in terms of what it would it be like for them to come up against a transgender female and you know would they feel um you know at a disadvantage because of that but yeah i, I think that's kind of where we have it for today and we'd love to hear your thoughts yeah definitely and don't forget to hit us up i suppose on social media um with the her sport uh crew at hersport.ie on twitter and instagram and at joannoir underscore ox on twitter and at joannoir so hit us up with your feedback whatever it is you want to hear um if you have any suggestions about athletes we would definitely love to hear those as well um and if you have any thoughts and opinions feel free to send them our way as well we'd love to hear what you're definitely thinking about so uh yeah and you have a very insightful conversation we definitely have a couple of some answers but we hope we've provided a lot of people with uh food for thought and definitely something to think about uh over the course of the next few weeks and uh we look forward to seeing the progression as well of laurel hubbard in the weightlifting category as well and see how what she does and how she progresses so yeah Nia on that note enjoy cheerio cheerio